Thank you for tuning in to episode number four of A Young Black Perspective. This is your host, Nigel Burgess, and I am so glad to have you guys tuning in today. Um, I like to record this as a trigger warning for anybody who has experienced uh, sexual assault, harassment, or anything of that nature. This episode talks about a lot of those things. If that's something that you were triggered by, then this may not be the one that you need to listen to. So just a forewarning, trigger warning. Um, thank you all for tuning in. So March was Women's History Month, I believe. And Women's History Month kind of um, inspired a lot of women to write about, talk about, just be really outware about their um, experiences with like sexual harassment and sexual assault. And I had no idea. And like that it was like, I knew it happened obviously, but I mean, as a man, I didn't necessarily, I have the privilege of not really dealing with that. So with any kind of privilege, it's like, I had a sight out of mind. Right. But the outpouring of um, this people talking about their stories, women talking about their stories, really inspired me to kind of dig deeper and, you know, and provide maybe a platform for some of those women to, you know, be outward about that thing. And hopefully we can, by doing that and being vulnerable and having this sensitive dialogue, we can, you know, nip some of that stuff in the bud, educate men and women and everybody about, you know, these things. So um, I have two women with me who are going to talk a little bit about their experiences and their thoughts on these things. Um, they prefer to remain anonymous, so their names will not be mentioned. But um, I do want to thank you ladies for coming and sharing your time with me and sharing your experiences. I really do appreciate it. Um, yeah, so that's the intro for today. Let's get into it. So what was at what age did you first experience any sort of sexual harassment? Um, I would say the first time I experienced sexual harassment was at a decently young age. Um, I was a cheerleader growing up. So with that comes the shorter skirts and the tighter uniforms and people tend to look at you differently because you chose to do what they would consider a sport that's, or sometimes people don't even consider it a sport, but so pretty young, I would say probably within my still my single digit ages. Wow, and what um, about you? For me, it, for me, it would have been a little bit older. Um, I was a late bloomer, so I looked <laughs> very boyish, so to speak, but I would say mine was probably when I was about 13. Um, uh, like she said earlier, I also was a cheerleader, very short skirts, things like that. People tend to make really crude and rude comments. I also did ballet. So you wear very skin tight outfits. Um, you have a male partner as you do ballet and it opens up, um, a lot of room for them to touch you inappropriately and pretend like it was an accident and things like that. So at ages where um, children, teenagers, are supposed to be focusing on things like school and for you guys, cheerleading and extracurriculars and normal kid stuff, 
you guys are having to kind of grow up a little bit sooner because people are treating you like you're grown women. You yes, want to talk I about how that makes you feel? So for me, I had a lot of family support when it came to my feelings about how I was getting treated within these sports and activities and as well as the companies that I cheered for too. We had a lot of support coming from them, but going home after performing in front of countless number of people and judges and just seeing the differences in the people's faces, it was tough to deal with. It was tough to, to have to learn to accept, if you will. I would agree that um, having to grow up faster in that sense because you're looked at and viewed a different way because of the sport you're choosing to do, that was extremely hard. Um, I am from a very conservative family and um, I was homeschooled most of my life. And I remember just because I did cheer and I did ballet, a lot of the parents were really mean and they would like call me a slut and that I was provocative because I was wearing a, a shorter skirt because that's what my uniform was. Or I was wearing, you know, a sports bra and um, biker shorts because I was going to ballet class and you have to wear form-fitting clothing and things like that. And that was very hard for me because I was a very good girl by, you know, everyone's standards. And I thought that that was always really crazy that somebody who doesn't know me just looking at me would sexualize me and then also judge me for something I had never done or wanted to do or anything like that. And so, wow, that's heavy. That's heavy. Um, you talk about like the form fitting clothes and the stuff like that that you have to wear as a part of your sport. I mean, I am a, a football player, former football player, I guess I'm retired, but I mean, the clothes that you guys wear are as are any more form fitting or revealing than the things that we wear. I mean, oftentimes it's not uncommon to go to an athletic practice or event and see men not wearing shirts at all. And there's definitely a double standard between like the over-sexualization of women and little girls. Do you guys want to talk about like the, like the over-sexualization aspect of it? So when it comes to the over-sexualization part of it, I actually coached cheerleading um, too. So watching the little girls and being that role model for them, um, was it was difficult. The little girls wanted to wear the, um, they wanted to wear the sports bras. They wanted to wear the tight spandex. They wanted to, you know, be the part of a cheerleader and, if there was any male figures in the room, it made them feel awkward. And for that, it's like, why, why are you feeling awkward? You know, I get it to a certain extent. I understand that no grown man, not no grown man, but 
it might be a little difficult for a grown man to see a little girl in a sports bra and spandex, but you'll go to the beach or the pool and you'll see them in bikinis. What's the difference? You know, these sports bras and these, these spandex cover much more than these swim wear things do nowadays. So to, to watch that was really, really difficult on, on my part and to come from a family of mostly women or girls was, we got sexualized just for wearing a tighter dress or something that wasn't viewed in today's world as long enough or it was too revealing, you know, when in all reality as a young girl, we don't have much to reveal. So that was being over-sexualized all the time, our entire life, starting from a young age, was really difficult. And it continues to be difficult at an older age and as an adult and watching it happen within the younger females of my life. And as a coach, you know, you just, you struggle to put a stop to it. You know, you don't know what to say to these people in the moment. So it's, it's just, it's hard. You know, it's there, there is a huge double standard there. Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, I would have to agree with that. I definitely think that, um, you know, I, I feel like it's sad that such young children are being overly sexualized, but it's like something, it's almost like a rite of passage nowadays. It seems like you have to be over-sexualized as a young woman and you're going to deal with that your entire life, no matter how you dress, how you act, what sport you play, what job you have. I feel like it's always something that you're going to going to have to constantly deal with. And I just feel as if that's absolutely heartbreaking. I have two younger sisters and, um, one's 22 and one's 18. And they've told me some of the stuff that they dealt with at eight and nine, just because that they looked older than they were like grown men trying to hit on them and talking about their bodies. And I just breaks my heart that we're not having our men, our young men and older men understand you, you can't talk about a woman that way. Like, yes, she may be beautiful. Yes. You may find her highly attractive, but like, there's a totally different way to approach things and to make women feel safe and to make them not feel uncomfortable to be around um, the opposite sex. And I would add to that, um, there's a certain level of acceptance in our society when it comes to these things that's not okay. Especially when you're talking about um, young men and boys you know, there's that saying that boys will be boys, right? And to a certain extent, yes, that's true. But being a boy does not mean you have to sexually harass anybody. That doesn't mean you have to grab a girl's butt or boobs in school. And yet, I don't know how school was for you guys. That was very commonplace where I went to high school and middle school. All the time it happened. And so many times the faculty looked the other way 
And so in a sense, it's like you're enabling these things. And the more that I heard these stories about, um, you know, women speaking about their experiences, the more I thought back to what I remember growing up. And it's like, it's no surprise that so many men feel like they can do these things because growing up, it wasn't really, there was no stigma around it. There was no punishment for it. And if it was, it wasn't nearly as severe as it should have been. You know, uh, it's, it's tough. It's definitely tough. Okay, so let's switch gears a little bit. Have you ever expressed um, or told a higher up about an incident of you being sexually harassed and been accused of lying? So for me, that definitely happened more often than not, which is tough to say. Um, growing up in the area I grew up in, the schools, like what you said, the schools with the grabbing of the butts or the boobs, you would go to the principal or the counselor, whoever you felt comfortable around and say, you know, so-and-so touched me inappropriately and they would say, well, was it an accident or did he do it on purpose? So in a way they're saying, are you sure it happened? Well, yeah, cause I'm the one it happened to, but, and then nothing would happen. So they would kind of just, without saying, I don't believe you, they would say, I don't believe you with their actions. And sometimes it happened within, within the sports too, but less often because there's more eyes on you, but in the, in the school setting, you know, there's, not enough faculty per student to watch absolutely everything that every student is doing and you shouldn't have to they shouldn't have to keep an eye on the girls or the boys to make sure that nothing that shouldn't be going on is happening um, but yes it definitely happens more often than not with people not believing that these things are truly happening to you do you have any thoughts on that? Um, I had a similar situation with, you know, high school. Somebody came up and grabbed my boobs. I went and told the principal, told numerous teachers, same sort of situation. Well, you're telling me that they physically came up and grabbed you. Yes, that's exactly what I'm telling you. Why would I come in here, embarrass myself? tears rolling down my face telling you someone touched me inappropriately for me to basically be accused of lying you know um it happened to be a very popular guy at the time who was like the star football player and it was like there's this new girl she barely talks she doesn't really say much so it was kind of like we're gonna just turn the other way if it happens again, it happens again. Like it, it seems like my feelings and the fact that I had been assaulted was irrelevant to them. Um, later on in life, I worked for a company that was very male dominated, uh, dominant, sorry. <laughs> and, um, I would have to go and order different parts and things for the company. I'd have to go into different areas of the building and I would constantly get cat calls and like really disgusting derogatory things said to me 
or people coming up and touching me. And my boss at the time had came over to where I was ordering some parts and literally seen it. I know he had seen it and he told me that there was not going to be anything we were going to do about it. And I ended up having to quit because I wasn't going to be talked to that way and assaulted every single day um, at a job because that's absolutely draining and degrading to you. And it, it seems like that kind of treatment is a lot more common than men would like to admit. Interesting. Um, dang, that's heavy. And to go off of that, you almost try to make yourself believe that it didn't happen after you're told that it didn't happen. You almost take that narrative and you're like, yeah, well, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe it was an accident or maybe you know, it didn't happen. And you have to convince, in order to find yourself okay enough, you have to convince yourself that it didn't happen. It's kind of like, I can relate to that a little bit, like in the aspect of racism, like when somebody says something or does something racist towards you, it's almost like you have this reaction of, they didn't just do that. They didn't say that. No, I couldn't not for real there's no way and then you wish at the time that you maybe would have said something but the more you think about it the more it bothers you is that how it is kind of definitely that's 100 percent how it is it's definitely a better way to put that you just you want to you wish you would have said something but in the moment you're almost so caught off guard that it's happened that you're like oh um okay, well, it's been two hours and now I know what I would have said in the, in the moment, but do I go back and say something or do I just pretend it didn't happen and let it slide? Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I definitely think that, you know, if whoever does that to a woman, they almost know that they can get away with it. And it's like, you as the woman, after you go and you say like, this has happened to me and people don't believe you, it makes you just go, well, it's going to happen again. So I might as well not say anything. Like nobody's going to do anything. Nobody's going to come to my defense. You know, I just got to learn to deal with this and I'm just going to push it out of sight, out of mind. So you would say that, um, there is a lack of accountability when it comes to this thing. This kind of behavior in general, I guess. Yeah, I would say there doesn't seem to be accountability for it. I definitely think that schools and organizations and companies kind of turn, you know, away from it. They don't really want to hear it because it makes everybody uncomfortable, you know, you go up and say, so-and-so did this to me. You know, nobody wants to believe somebody could do that. Everyone wants to believe that nobody would make someone uncomfortable. Nobody would go up and harass someone. Um, it's just, there's lack of accountability. There's lack of policies in place. I feel like where it says, you know, if you do this and somebody turns you in for that, like, we will get rid of you, you know, there, there will be 
there will be some kind of, you know, discipline. I really like appreciate the comment about um, the need for policy because, um, you know, you can say as an organization or like, cause I study public relations, right? So you can spin it however you want as an organization to make a bad situation seem not as bad as it really is. But without changing policy and without changing regulations, it's all just, you know, it's just talk, you're just talking just to make it go away. And then when it goes away and it happens to somebody else and it's the same, you realize there hasn't been any change. And you kind of have a same, a cycle of the same thing that, you know, you girls have been seeing since you were in high school and middle school and kids happening to the same girls, different girls, I guess, but in the same situations, in the same places. And it's like, at some point we have to, we have to put a stop to it. Right. And we have to stop being so nonchalant about these things. And I'm talking to men, you know, because a lot of these places have men in power. And I think the first step to, um, to getting on top of this thing would be to have more women in positions of power in these settings, in the school settings, in the business settings, you know, in administration roles, like just like the the best way to deal with racism is to have more people of color and positions of power the same thing is with sexism and with this kind of sexual harassment stuff we got to have more women to speak for the younger women to represent them a lot of times as a younger woman you don't know really where to start so to have somebody to look up to to have somebody that stands for what you believe in and what's right to look up to and to go to and to say, hey, you know, this is what's going on. It's awkward. It's awkward for me. It's a difficult subject for me. It's not something I necessarily want to talk about, but it's something that needs to be brought to your attention. You know, to have that would be great. I think personally for me, if I grew up with somebody that had authority, authority, like you said, would have would have been great. It would have made, you know, maybe it wouldn't have made a difference for everybody, but it could have at least made a difference for me. It could have made a difference for my personal friends and the people that, you know, I talked to about it within, you know, my school or my organization. And even within jobs that I've had to have, you know, a lot of times when you do have training, group training, they have a man that's talking about the sexual harassment. And not that men don't get sexually harassed too, it's not what I'm saying, but to have a man talk about sexual harassment to the women and directly to the women and how to handle it to the women isn't fair because you don't understand the same way that a woman would, underst would understand. You don't, you know, a woman typically, like we talked about earlier, has been sexualized most of her life. So to come into a workplace and now be an adult and hear a man tell you how to handle your harassment almost isn't fair you know you look at him like for me personally you look at him like well if I come to you are you gonna believe me or how do you know you know how it makes me feel and they talk about like you touched on earlier they talk about you know policies 
and you know how many strikes is good enough before you lose your job or how many strikes is good enough you know you you're going to get a write-up every time well is a write-up going to make the woman feel as if she's safe in her workplace or in her you know whatever she's doing does that how does his consequences make the woman feel and i personally feel like we tend to miss that within policies and we tend to miss that within really everything and having you know having a woman in charge maybe we wouldn't miss that so much maybe it would make a difference you have thoughts on that I personally believe that if we did have more women in power, especially at companies, things like that, when you first get hired, you know, you go through all that orientation. And like she was saying, you have normally a man telling you about if you get sexually assaulted or somebody does something inappropriate, how you should handle that. And as a woman, that is very much intimidating in my mind because I have a man telling me this is this is you know how we handle it as a company and this is how you should handle it once it happens and then it's already embarrassing if it happens to you you already feel just crappy about yourself and you feel like did I come on to that person did I deserve what what this person did to me and then you have to go and explain that to a man who I'm, I'm not saying men aren't sensitive, but it's like, it's just embarrassing. You're having to go explain to a man. Whereas if you had to go to explain to a woman, she's going to sympathize with you because she could put herself in your shoes. Whereas a man, they're like, they sometimes just don't understand that because we don't teach our men to get how women feel in that sense. Like how they just feel like somehow it's their fault and somehow they must have done something because I feel like as women we get taught like well did you do this did you do that to make him do this you know I I had that issue a lot with the company I worked for and I just could not believe that they were questioning me in that manner because as a company you shouldn't be doing that (laughs) like you should be listening to both parties and you should be looking at if there's any security camera, seeing if you can actually catch the act, things like that. I like to provide sort of a unique perspective on this matter myself. Um, so I didn't learn about what consent was until I got to college and it was a required teaching for all student athletes. Um, and yet they teach us what sex is in middle school, sometimes, sometimes earlier than that. They teach you, you know, about personal space and they teach you about, um, you know, what you're not supposed to do, but they don't teach you at all about consent. And we have a lot of young men, older men too, and boys who are, let's face it, sexually active but don't know what consent is. That's a problem to me because 
if you don't aren't educated on it, it's not necessarily, you would think it's common sense, but yet we have so many issues when it comes to sexual assault that maybe we should do more education about it. And I wonder how many people who aren't student athletes who aren't required to go through that mandatory um, Title IX consent course every year, I wonder them actually, how, how many of them actually know what consent even is. Um, and you know, we, we, we football players sat through that thing. We do it every year. We do it every year. And it's like, a lot of the guys, you know, laugh and joke at it, you know, and part of it is because it's so repetitive. And it's, it's corny in a lot of ways in the way they teach it at Washburn. But, and a lot of us feel like, well, we all know this already. And then you hear about something that happens and it's like, well, clearly we don't all know about this. Maybe this is important. It, it isn't essential. So I'd like to hear your guys' thoughts about consent and education on that. I would definitely say that consent needs to be taught at a much earlier age than college. Um, just because there's so many different ways. I mean, when a woman says no, no should mean no, right? But it doesn't always mean no in the minds of some people, you know? And uh, I don't know, that also means no. But in some people's eyes, they don't, they don't believe that. They don't think that, you know, she, it's tough because there, there's so many different, like from when I learned about consent when I was younger, which was probably middle school age and I didn't learn it from school. I learned it from my parents. Um, you know, they were very blunt and clear. If he doesn't want to hold hands with you and he says, no, you know, he's not gonna hold hands with you. No means no, don't continue to ask him. Don't continue to push it. Don't ask in a different way. Don't, you know, no means no. And holding hands is a lot different than sexual harassment. But in middle school, that's not what I was thinking about was, you know, sex and all of those kinds of things. I was thinking about my first kiss and holding hands and it was nothing intimate but nowadays a lot of these middle schoolers are into that and they are learning you know more about sex not just from the videos but from experience and to have you know middle school you start at like 11 or 12 I think is when I started middle school so to have an 11 year old or a 12 year old do they understand completely what no means. Do they understand, you know, that no can be said in different ways. And then in the adult setting, you know, for once you hit 21, you're starting to go to the clubs, you're starting to go to, to parties and even younger than that, but you're starting to do all these things. And a lot of times, even in my personal experience, you know, you have a few too many drinks and you don't really know what's going on. You know, I've woken up a lot of mornings from going to the bars the night before and not really remembered exactly what happened the night before, but I could tell you that I wasn't taken home with anybody, you know, because 
luckily those people had enough respect for me as a woman and for themselves as a man um, to know what consent is and I just it's it's a tough situation to talk about consent just because so many different people view consent as so as it's it's just so different for so many people and just like the school boards everybody teaches the same curriculum for the most part why can't we include that in the videos that we have to watch why can't consent be something that's not a scary subject that's not something that we avoid but something that we embrace something that we teach that we continue to teach you know they've got all these these posters on the walls in the schools that say all kinds of different things what about the one that says something about consent where are those when are those when is it going to be time to put those posters up on the walls powerful do you have any thoughts I definitely commend your school for making you guys go through that um, every year. I think that that is a huge step in the right direction. Um, I definitely know when I went through middle school, high school, things like that, I don't remember us ever touching on consent or ever going over that. You know, I remember my parents talking to me about that. And I mean, they're very strong Christians. They didn't really want me to be doing any of that but I remember them saying you know if you get to that point and things are moving way too fast and you're not ready for that step you need to firmly tell that boy no you need to get up and remove yourself from the situation because sometimes that boy's family might not have went over what no means and I remember thinking that as a kid you know as a young a young woman and looking at my mom and dad like what the heck are you talking about? No means no. Like, what are you meaning? Somebody's parents didn't teach them. No means no. And I remember thinking to myself, that really sat with me for a while. I was just like, that is so weird. Like, I just don't understand. And then, you know, I remember going to college and living on my own the first time and being put in predicaments where there was no alcohol. I was just hanging out with a guy and things were moving fast. And I said no, and he kept trying to convince me to do more, and I had to get up and leave because something could have progressed that would have been very terrible. Um, I just feel like when we teach, you know, sexual education or when, you know, sometimes kids will go talk to their counselors or something like that, that about sex, I, I feel like that should definitely be pushed more than well, make sure you're using protection. I mean, yes, we want the kids to use protection. We want everyone to use protection, but I feel like we should push it just as much as we, we push that. I think it's such a serious matter. And I think if we really engrave that in their mind, um, both females and males, that we're going to have much better outcome with how we grow as a society. Education is just of the utmost importance. And the earlier that we can get these things instilled into our young men and women, you know, it's, I think the better off we'll be when it comes to this stuff. I think we're making, we're making positive steps 
in that direction. Like you said, I think the Title IX trainings and the consent trainings are important. Um, but why not take it a step further? Like, why not, instead of having all the athletes being required to do it, why not have everybody required to do it? If we're going to be a student on campus, why not have it at your jobs? Why not have it be a required training at, I don't know. I don't really have all the answers, right? But like, I just know that more needs to be done because we're still seeing way too much of this. And not only just what we're seeing, what's being reported, but think about what's not being reported and what's not being seen too and what's not being believed. Like you girls said earlier, like how many girls are saying things and this getting something under the rug? You know, it's it's kind of disgusting to think about. Like, I was like, I mean, I have sisters, you know, I have like, you know, cousins and nieces. And it's like, I couldn't imagine them having to go through that. And it's, it's sad that, you know, you have to prepare them for this world so soon sometimes. But I mean, at the end of the day, I think I'd rather them be prepared and not prepared. So um, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about media coverage. There's been a lot of, um, a lot of cases going on in the media with like celebrities and well-known public figures um, like Deshaun Watson, for example. And it's kind of, I, I study media literacy as one of my courses. And um, it's interesting to see how these things are portrayed in the, by the media. Um, did you girls want to talk about like, how do you feel about the media's portrayal of certain instances regarding sexual misconduct? Um, I personally don't think that the media does a good enough job. I think that they could do better. And I think that they need to do better. Um, a lot of times, you know, the media doesn't want to, the media puts out what the media puts out. The media puts out what's going to get views and what's going to get the most interaction. And when it comes to sexual abuse and sexual harassment, it's typically not something that's going to get a lot of interaction. Um, from the women's point of view, probably, but a lot of people just scroll through it. And for, you know, victims of these, these things, a lot of times we don't even want to read the article. We don't want to, you know, have to almost feel it all over again by reading somebody else's story, another woman. I think the thought of it just makes people uncomfortable, which is why they don't want to like, you know, really look at it or engage with it. It's, a, it's an uncomfortable topic. Let's just be honest about it. It's uncomfortable. Like the victims aren't comfortable talking about it. The people who are on the outside looking in aren't comfortable reading about it. You know, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, it's definitely uncomfortable. And, and for the media part of it, you know, just like a, a bunch of other headlines they twist the words the headlines are you know what catches the attention so instead of saying you know a woman was harassed or abused in some way you know they flip it and they twist it and they try to make it seem to be something that it wasn't and then you read the article and you're like this headline doesn't even start to explain what actually happened you know and that's I feel like I'm no media expert I'm I don't didn't study it at all and I don't really want to study it but I feel like you know in news articles and 
just in headlines general in general they're supposed to give you you know a quick few worded gist about what's going to be said in the article you know what the article's about and a lot of times they don't do that they turn it and make it about something else yeah i would have to agree with that i definitely think for one it's a very uncomfortable thing to talk about nobody wants to talk about sexual assault or anything like that nobody wants to talk about rape anything where it's going to make you uncomfortable and it's going to make you have to question if you've ever put somebody in a situation where they feel like you've assaulted them or you've been in that situation and now you're having to relive that moment again and then as far as media coverage and things like that I definitely think they do twist the headline for if there is any coverage about a sexual assault or anything like that or harassment, I definitely feel like they do make their headline not appear, you know, with the topic really. Like it's very short and brief and you're kind of like, okay, I'm not really interested in reading that because it doesn't seem like something I'd be interested in. And for whatever reason, you decide to read the article and you're like, oh my gosh, it's horrible. Like, I can't believe that this wasn't the first article or there, this wasn't like the headline or something like th- this is, this is horrible. Why, why was something else pushed, you know, and more important than this? Like, this is a pressing matter that lots of people go through every single day. And yet this is not important. It seems like to the media. Yeah, I definitely understand those sentiments. And um, I think with social media in particular, you kind of have a disproportionate, um, it gives like a disproportionate idea of how often these things happen, right? And especially when you have so many people who go on there and will deny it. People who are not even there, like how can you speak about something that you weren't even there for? There's no video, there's no like evidence for you to say one way or another. And yet you automatically assume that the person is not telling the truth about it or that the person who's being accused is like, it's supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. Yes, I get that. But also like, there's gotta be a level of accountability too. You know, it's gotta go both ways. So it's tough, you know, from the media perspective, it's not always easy to cover. things like this it's but I do understand there needs to be more of a responsibility of media professionals to make sure they're doing it in a way that is respectful to all parties and it's not currently being done to the best of the abilities I think that most people can do so okay uh, let's wrap it up here do you guys have any final takeaways that you want our listeners to to go home and to like hold on to from this podcast You want to start first? I would say if you're a parent listening and you have young ones to definitely go over what consent means. Um, definitely raise your little ones, your little boys, little girls, same way so that they both understand, you know, what is right, what is not right. Um, I hope that if, you know, if your opinion was, if, you know, 
you could go up and touch a female inappropriately. You thought it was just a joke or something. I hope maybe we changed your mind by letting us be able to tell you from the person's point of view rather than like as a joke or something. I definitely agree with, you know, the points that you brought up. I would also, you know, say to take away just when it comes to raising your kids to raise them as, as equals to each other, you know, no woman, no man is better than, or girl or boy is better than the other. And I feel like if we raise our children to truly believe that it might make a difference in the world that we live in or the world that they get to live in and the, the way that they will raise their children, you know, cause for us, it's, I mean, we're already adults, so it's a little different, but for our kids, it can, it can be the world of a world of a difference. And for consent, yes, definitely talking about consent. We need to make it more of an un, or less of an uncomfortable conversation and more of just an open conversation that we can have, you know, and for companies or school boards, if you happen to hear this, just to make it, you know, to learn, or at least to try to make this, this subject something that's not such a disbelief in the world that we live in, you know, it's a real thing that happens on a daily basis to multiple different women um, and children. So just to, to take it for what it is and to believe it for what it is, you know, not everybody's a liar. Not everybody lies about it. Some people do, but not everybody does. So to just take it for what it is and to, to learn from it, to learn from your mistakes and to move on and be the bigger, the better person. And I would kind of wrap it up by, you know, speaking directly to my men out there. Um, open your hearts, man. Open your hearts and open your ears and take some time to listen. Go talk to your mom about her experiences with sexual harassment. Go talk to your sister. And maybe they want to talk to you, you know, but ask them about it. Hey, have you ever experienced this? And I think a lot of you would be surprised by what you hear. And I think that if you can take the time and speak to your loved ones about this stuff and take it seriously, man, a lot of, a lot of men joke about it. And I, it's, you know, it's, it's whatever, everything is joked about, but also take it seriously too. You know, take some time to sit down and talk to your loved ones and get their perspective on it. And you might learn something, you know, I think the whole point of this podcast is to have these conversations about these uncomfortable topics, be it racism, be it um, inequality in education, be it uh, sexism, be it sexual harassment, like these are not comfortable conversations to, to have, but the fact that we haven't been having them is a problem because we still have issues that manifest from not communicating with each other. So I would say, amen, open up your hearts and your ears and listen to women when are talking about these things. It's important, man. It's If you want to make the world a better place for your kids to grow up in and your kids' kids to be in, it starts with us. If not us, then who? So that wraps up our uh episode number four of a young black perspective thank you guys for listening in and we will have more on the way thank you